0: We're going to dismiss the um, boys and girls at junior church. We will, we have, at New Hope, we have a boys class. It's like an older boys class training them to be Christian young men. Um, we're going to have the first one of those today here with Mr. Dell. He's heading the back. So if you're a boy about like fourth grade and up, um, go Mr. Dell. And then junior church, Miss Linda back there. And so you guys can all be dismissed. And Brother Pete, if you want to, if you need to, you're fine. But if you need to find Aletheia, find Aletheia, and uh, she can take care of them as well. Um, With that being said, I also want uh, two more announcements uh, that I'll take note of. Number one, my phone broke yesterday. Now, the screen is completely black. It does not work. Um, But I can still get text messages through my watch. And so if you do need to text me, you can... Find me on the watch, but the phone—I can't. I mean, I can answer a quick call on this, but I can't really talk long on it. But um, I should be getting that fixed uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, so just be patient with that, hopefully. And um, then also, don't forget tonight we have service here at six o'clock. We'll be back in the Book of Second Kings, and then Thursday night we'll be in the Book of Luke, and we meet in that back prayer room. And I'll tell you this: if you missed this past Thursday, it was unbelievable. The singing was so powerful and loud. Like you may have just shown up for the singing that day and that may be what God was giving out. It really was. It was powerful, powerful singing back there really loud and it was really, really crowded. Uh, I don't know if we had to get extra tables. It was really a special night and I want to encourage you to come out for it. Um, New Hope, you are invited to the service here that New Village is hosting on on Wednesday night if you uh, want a midweek service. Uh, I do want to remind you of that as well. And then for New Hope Baptist Church, uh, we are going to have our Christmas Eve service at our church at 5 o'clock. Um, and anybody at New Village is welcome to come, too. We're still talking through the logistics of, of things, but we might just have the, in, all the, the Christmas Eve service itself at New Hope. Um, so just putting that in the mindset. But um, New Village, you'll get your announcements from, uh, from your elders and things of that nature. Um, but thank you for all this. Uh, we're glad to be back here to, to be able to share in this month together. And uh, it's been a blessing. And thank you so much for all of that. I want you to open up to two places today. Uh, Luke chapter 17 and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Luke 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the week of Thanksgiving, right? And so this morning I had to go out to the store to get cream cheese and butter and juice for because my wife usually uh, gets all that stuff or uh, handles all that. But she's away on a lazy retreat. And so I had to run out this morning and go get it. So I went to Lidl, and I had enough time, except that Lidl only has one line open and like 300 people who want to go shopping on Sunday. And so I I got all the stuff I got to get to, and I turned the corner where people are waiting, and I literally think I'm waiting to get into like, I don't know, like a Mets game or something. I mean, it is just like atrocious. And it was at that moment very hard to be thankful. Don't don't pretend like you're always thankful like that too. I, but I had a, I was like, okay, I got to preach in a few moments, and I'm I'm a Christian. I got to be thankful. Thank you, Lord, for this. Whatever this means. Thank you for this. So sometimes it's difficult like that. Luke 17 um, is a passage that I think that emphasizes sometimes our natural attitude towards God in everyday fashion even though there's a miraculous thing that goes on here. So we're going to look at Luke 17 to kind of try to expose things, and then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians to try to give the instruction and the command of what God's people should be. Now, on Thursday nights, we are in the book of Luke, and we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, um, preaching that Jesus does. And what we notice in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is basically saying, this is how my children are to behave I don't know about all them, but this is how my children should behave. And so um, there are some things there that that are going to be quite different than the rest of the world. Now, our natural flesh is going to gravitate towards the way the world is. And the Spirit of God inside of us is going to say, no, do this. Like, for example, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you. Jesus says, this is how my children are to be. And the rest of the world says, no, 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 I'm going to get back at them. Now, by the way, I forgot one announcement, and that's why I got this nifty Batman watch. Um, at 3 o'clock today, Brother Greg from our church is going down to Port Jeff and is going to be doing handing out tracts and having evangelism effort up that way, um, speaking to some people. So if you are interested in going out with them today to Port Jeff, even if you're so nervous you don't want to say anything, that's okay. You can just tag along. But there is a there is a group of, of uh, Christians that are going to go up to Port Jeff and hand out tracts and speak to different people up there. So see Brother Greg today. He was the man that was leading the songs. In case you're wondering who is Greg, that's who Greg is. Okay, um, so I did forget that, but thank you, Greg, for reminding me. So Jesus says, "My children are different," and we're going to give you that command of what we're to be different in in a minute. But I want you to look at Luke 17 to get things started to expose our hearts a minute let's pray and then we'll look at this father thank you so much for your goodness we pray now that you give liberty in the spirit father that you give power that you'd give us the understanding of the scriptures lord we don't want to approach it as the natural man we don't wanna come to the scriptures in our own logic in our own natural sense Father, we want to be led and moved by the Spirit of God. We want to have the utterance of the Holy Spirit in our heart. And we want to be able to apply these things to be changed. In our everyday sanctification, Father, we want you to mold us into your image that we're more like you. But, Father, we, we fight that. We struggle that. Lord, we, we, put up a, we put up a great argument within our behavior, in our mindsets, in our actions, Lord, that we don't always want to be like you. Forgive us of that, Lord. Make us more like you, be merciful to us, be gracious to us, forgive us, Lord, and help us to reflect this attitude in which you desire in us. We pray all this now in Jesus' name, amen. Look at Luke 17, verse 11. Bible says, and it came to pass as he, that's Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, without getting into a big medical understanding of what leprosy is, understand this, it is very, very contagious. There was no cure for it, and it was deadly. Uh, what would happen, in essence, is it would be like a flesh-eating disease. Things would: Your ear might fall off. Your nose might fall off. And when people in those days would come to a particular village um, to, to be able to just mingle or get things that needed to get, they often had a shout, unclean, 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 to let everybody know that they who were leprous were coming into this populated village. Um, it was a a pandemic of sorts, uh, but it was a different type of one. And so um, they had to be pushed aside and they were often put in colonies by themselves. And so Jesus comes to this village and there are 10 that are afar off. They would not dare come up to a person and bombard them. That would be highly unethical and that would be a big problem back then. So they stood afar off. In verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So they recognize a couple of things that this was Jesus. They can see that. They knew he had power to have mercy. Whatever they meant mercy by could be seen in a minute. But they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. So he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now there was a old passage in Leviticus dealing with leprosy and going to the priest and things like that. Again, not the context we're looking at. Um, he says, go unto the priest. And as they go to turn to go to the priest, immediately they're healed from their leprosy. All ten of them just for having that faith, just because Jesus wanted to, just because that's what God decided to do. And they're starting to go their way to show that they're cleansed now, but they act, they listen, they obey the voice. He went, and they were cleansed. And now watch this, though. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So all ten were healed of this deadly, highly contagious, no cure for disease, and only one of them turns around and says, thank you, glorifies God, falls down on his face, and the irony of it, and again, not the context of what we're looking at or the application we're looking at this morning, but the, but the irony of it is happens to be a Samaritan. It's not even a Jewish person, and here's this Jewish teacher um, Teaching Jewish slash Christian things because Christianity will be the continuation of Judaism as the plan of God unfolds Um, And so but only one of them a Samaritan Bows down and praises God look at Jesus' response and Jesus answering said where were not wait where they're not ten cleansed But where are the nine? There are now found that return to give glory to God save this stranger And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now in the book of Luke, he's in a passage where he's kind of emphasizing that the Jews are rejecting Christ. The Good Samaritan was only a few chapters earlier. Um, And so there's all that context there. But nevertheless, here's what I want you to see today that kind of exposes our heart. Oftentimes, and I don't care who you are, I don't care how much you want to say, no, 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 but not me. All of us often don't exhibit to God the thankfulness of all he's done for us. And I'll tell you this, if he saved your soul, he's done more for you than cleansing you of leprosy. Because if you died of leprosy, and that was the worst that would happen, you would just be dead. But when he saves your soul, you're eternally forgiven in heaven. You don't have to go to hell, which you and I rightly deserve. And so at the very least, it doesn't matter the circumstances in which you are upset at or the circumstances in which you are mourning or the circumstances in which you might declare unfair. There is so much for us to be thankful for with God. Now maybe if we were going to speculate and think and try to imagine for these other leprous people who are healed, maybe some of them, someone has the attitude well, I shouldn't have had leprosy in the first place. I've been dealt a bad hand. Maybe they're bitter. Maybe they just got so excited they ran off and forgot. I don't know, but I will tell you this. I think most of us in here are thankful a good amount of times, but I'm pretty sure we're not thankful the way God would want us to be. Thankful. So with that being said, turn over to First Thessalonians chapter number 5. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. Now sometimes we're wondering, what is the will of God? Right now we're praying about some big things that we're saying, God, what is your will concerning this? Father, how do we know your will? And may you give us the strength and the faith to walk through your will. Now, there might be a lot of different avenues in which the Lord's will is addressed in your life, in which you ought to live, in which you ought to obey. There are a lot of specifics. The great thing about God is this, and you listen up. God has an absolute specific will for your life. That means he has everything mapped out as he would desire in your life. Different in some ways than my life. He knows how many hairs are on our head, and He cares for us with such a specific love. It's unbelievable. But there are some things that are the general will of God for everyone. And we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5 for one of those avenues. Look at verse number 18. It's a short verse. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, concerning you i'll read that again in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you under the inspiration of the holy spirit paul pens these words in everything now there's no quantification there There's no qualification, I mean there is a quantification, it's in everything, there's no qualification, because a lot of us would say, but you don't know this. No, no, God does know this. I'm not going to be up here trumpeting that this is easy. I'm not going to get up here and tell you, come on guys, what's wrong with you, how come you don't always feel an overwhelming euphoric feeling of joy? And by the way, that's not what it said. Notice it didn't say in everything feel thankful. It says in everything give thanks. There's a difference. You know what the difference is? I can't tell you to always feel thankful because there are circumstances in life where you won't feel thankful. But that's different then in everything, give thanks. Oh, it's a powerful thing to have to give thanks to God when things aren't going our way. It's a submission to the sovereign God that He knows. And we just trust that He will work all things together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to His purpose but in everything. And so we're going to break this down to a little bit more specific, but we're to give thanks in everything. And basically there are only three different categories of life. When good things happen, when bad things happen, and when regular things happen. And yet we're told in everything give thanks. Uh, One of the things that you will, and this is sort of separate, one of the things that you and I will face the rest of our life is this struggle of wanting to be in control over God. That doesn't mean you're like, no, God, I don't want you in my life. doesn't mean something as bombastic as that. It just might be, you can have this, but not this. I want to reserve the right to be mad or to not give thanks, or to feel this, or, or to decide that, or to, uh, or to go there, or to keep this, or whatever it is. There's always these little elements. Usually we hide them in the blind spots of our life that maintain at least a little aspect of Godwardness or Godship in our life over things that ought not. And this might be one of them. And sometimes as New Yorkers, we chalk this up to, oh, we're, you know, that's just who we are. We're hardened, cynical people. We can, we don't have to give thanks to everything. We're not in the South where they say, bless your heart, everything's wonderful. We like to be critical and nasty and rude. That's just us. In everything, give thanks. And so if we're to give thanks in everything... That means that we're to give thanks in all these areas, the good times, the bad times, and the regular times. And so I want to look at that for just a moment. And so number one, I want you to look at giving thanks in good times. Now I'll tell you this, this ought to be easy. We ought to be easily able to give thanks in good times. The lepers here, though, however, that was a good time, right? They have a a non-healable or or a a disease that there's no cure for, that surely they're going to die, that has ostracized them from society, has not allowed them to function as other people. They easily could have had a pity party. They easily could have had a, a, a real bitter heart. And yet when they cried out for mercy, God heard them in their mercy, even knowing that nine of them would not give thanks, and he still healed them. And yet in those good times, they still didn't even give thanks. But this is the easiest one. When the Lord has done something great for us, when He's blessed us, when He has answered prayer, when He's brought you in a moment of encouragement, when someone's gotten saved uh, and the angels in heaven are rejoicing, we might be rejoicing, it's real easy to say, praise God. Matter of fact, if I were to ask you right now, hey, why don't you stand up and give some praises? Often those praises are going to all surround good things, right? I praise God that so-and-so was sick, they got better. I praise God that, that this happened in my life. Matter of fact, on, maybe you don't know this, but on Sunday nights at our services here, we have testimony time. And so we sing a song, and then we have testimonies. Or, or actually, we do testimonies, then sing a song. So people just praise God for all kinds of things that God's done in their week, in their life. things that, And it gets you a chance to praise God publicly, but also gets a chance to know each other's burdens and delights and things like that. And so there are times when we're blessing God and we're praising God for that. And it seems to be somewhat easy, although I would dare say, when's the last time that you had a continual heart of thanksgiving even in the good times? Often we get so distracted that we just move on with life or we're just like, yeah, it should be that way. But we think of these other times. The bad and the mundane, and we would have to conclude that the good times are the easiest times. And we might even conclude this, if we can't give thanks in the good times, how are we going to give thanks in the bad times and in the regular times, even the mundane times? And yet I want to remind you that in Luke 17, the passage of the lepers, they're healed, but only one turns to thank God. So I'll stop there for a second. How are you at giving thanks in the good times? Sometimes that, and and, and please don't hear me insinuate or try to put pressure on anybody, but sometimes we'll have testimony time and there won't be much said. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be. But I'm saying this, if I said to you right now, what blessings have you had? You might be like, huh. And yet, I can promise you this, probably an entire encyclopedia of wonderful things that God has done for you and in your life and for your family, and around your circumstances, and delivered you from that, and and answered the prayer here. But I will say this, we don't serve God because He blesses us. Do you understand that? You need to understand that, and here's why. Because if you're serving God because He blesses you, you've in essence taken the throne to be God, and He worships you, and also the minute He doesn't bless you, is the minute you stop worshiping Him. Job is a real test of that. Will Job continue serving God even though... In America, we have a God of comfort and pleasure, don't we? And that's being shook a little bit. With a lot of the different things that have come or have been a result of or been a consequence of the the virus and shutdown and the way the world's turned and economy and a lot lot of things that we took for granted as comfort and pleasure have now been taken away. And it's no surprise to me that the church attendances go down. As if that's why we worship God only. So I'm here to say this, okay? We'll, We'll get this one out of the way. It's easy <clears throat> to worship God in the good times. And I really hope and I, and I really expect that all of us in here would not struggle with praising God in the good times. <clears throat> Watch out for the, the, Luciferian, the Luciferian attitude where something good happens and you think it was because of you. It's not. It never is always because of god and if god so chose to use you praise god for that so let's bless god and let's praise god in the good times right let's give thanks for the good times. god thank you that i'm alive today thank you lord that i'm in enough hell to be able to come here today thank you for and i won't assume any other goodness in your life but i'm sure there's a whole list of it thank god for that that ought to put you in the attitude of gratitude um there's that old hymn right count your blessings name them one by one Count your blessings. See what God hath done. But now we come to the difficult one. So giving thanks in the good times. Well, what about giving thanks in the bad times? This one's not so easy. What if Jesus would have said to the lepers, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. And what if Jesus said no? Do you know that if this command in everything, give thanks, was properly obeyed? If all ten asked and Jesus said no, do you know what the right response to that is? All ten giving thanks. Wait a second, that's not, that's not popular. That's not what you're going to hear in these megachurches, is it? Mega churches got you listening to all kinds of, and I'm not shooting down at all mega churches. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of them that have you thinking that tomorrow's going to be your best life. And the day after that's your best life after that. And you get your best promotion after that. And God's just going to keep blessing, 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 blessing. And then you're going to keep praising, 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 praising. Now, if that happens to certain people, praise the Lord for it. But what happens when he says no? What happens when this silver lining situation is taken away? And legitimately there's a giving of bad times and God still wants and expects us to give thanks in the bad times. Man, that's not easy. And I'll remind you again what I said earlier. It doesn't mean feeling thankful. It means sitting down in your mourning, sitting down in your crying, sitting down in your confusion, sitting down in your pain and still saying, God, I don't know why. Why? And I don't understand. And it makes me upset. And it might even make me angry. But I'm going to give thanks trusting you. By the way, I read a quote this week. It said something of this nature. Be messy with God. Tell Him exactly how you feel. Tell Him everything. He knows it. He knows you're a mess. You don't have to kind of try to write this impressive prayer to God to try to make yourself look differently than you are. If you're mourning and a mess and a confused and upset, pour that out on the Savior. He knows. You could be a mess before the Lord. But still the command is, in everything give thanks. One of the best remedies for negativity and bad times is to thank the Lord and not sarcastically, thanks a lot, God. That doesn't count. But giving God thanks to him in bad times, it shows a submission to him. Lord, I don't know why. And I don't feel like it's fair maybe. And I don't feel happy. And I feel abandoned. And I feel lost. But I'm going to give thanks, trusting that you know and because you commanded it. That's what this command says, isn't it? I'm not saying that the feelings all go away. But it signifies, God, you know what you're doing. And you know how to fly the plane of my life. And I don't. So I'm going to trust you. Remember we said before that there are portions of our life that we want to maintain control over? I guarantee for some of you this is one of them. Because some of you are hearing me and you're thinking, nope, not doing it. I'm not going to give God thanks when He does this for me. Here's one of of the most popular questions that gets asked. And it's a valid one. It's it's an all right one to ask. If God is all-powerful, and he is all good, and something horrific has happened, then that tells me he could have stopped it from happening, but chose not to, and that somehow makes me confused as to the resulting answer as he is all good. How can God be all good if he allowed all these bad things to happen? I understand that question, friend. I know that. I wish nothing bad ever happened. It's a broken world. But Jesus says, my children act differently. We give thanks in everything. We don't just love the people who love us. Jesus referenced that in the Sermon on the Mount. What good is that? The world does that. May I say it like this too? We don't just give thanks for the good times. The world knows how to do that too. They have enough natural manners, I'll say, to do that. Oh, where God's people are different, though. In everything, give thanks. Even in the bad times. That still might mean you need to call your best friends around to help carry you up, and hopefully your friends are not like Job's friends, but hopefully they can bear your burdens and pray for you and cry with you and hold you and love on you and provide for you in all the morning time. That that might all still happen. But in everything, give thanks. This is not as easy as the previous one. This is not as simple as that. Yet it is that. My whole life, I played baseball. I played three sports in high school, and I played two in college. I, played, I, I wrestled, I played football, and I played baseball in high school. Baseball was my, my number one sport. I played that since I was four years old. Um, I was on a Little League World Series team at 12. I played all these travel teams and things of that nature. Um, and even later on, got a chance to play semi-pro baseball. Um, and that's a, another story I'll tell you another time. So. I was really good at baseball. So seventh grade, I'm trying out for the junior high baseball team out at William Floyd. That's where I was going to school, it was William Packer Junior High. And I played third base, and I went to the tryouts, and there was no other third baseman trying out. And I thought, this is, this is going to be a piece of cake. And so all week long, I'm trying out, and things are going well. I'm doing good, and there's no other third baseman trying out. And I'm excited about this. Okay, got, I'm, I'm going to start on the seventh, eighth grade team. This is going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. And so I, I uh, walked into the gym on Monday. The tryouts were Monday through Friday. I walked into the gym the next Monday to see who else. Made the team So, you know, we are always wondering who's going to get caught, who's not going to get caught. And I went to the, the list on the wall, and I knew immediately there had to be a problem. I went down it, and somehow I was not on that list. And I was confused, and I wasn't a Christian, I was confused, tears started coming up my eyes, I thought, how am I going to tell my dad I didn't make it? I thought, why, how, I was the only one at the position, and I didn't do bad, and it's not like I just walked on a team and never played before. And I can tell you, to this day, I still don't know why, baseball-wise, I didn't make it. Well, the next year, they had two seventh and eighth grade teams. This particular team was uh, a, a coach named uh, Coach Kraft. And the other seventh and eighth grade team was a coach Longo. So, Coach Kraft's team, you, you don't get to decide what team you try out for. You just get put in a pool. Okay, this group's trying out for that team. This pool's getting tried out for that team. The next, so this first year, I'm trying out for Coach Kraft's team. The next year, I got put with Coach Longo's team. And no problem, makes the team. So I'm like, I don't know what that guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, Coach Longo decides as he's watching me play that maybe I'd make a good football player. So he decides to start teaching me. He's the football coach too. He's a JV football coach. He starts to train me how to play quarterback as well as baseball. And then I make the varsity team, quarterback at the uh, William Floyd High School team, went on to play college football quarterback division three don't get all excited that I was going to be in the NFL like my son says all the time you could have been in the NFL no I couldn't have been division three was fine the school I went to play with was the only Baptist college that I knew of that was was in my reign at the time that had a football team and they recruited me to play for them then I broke my leg and God called me to preach has a lot of things in between so let me say what is he talking about here okay had i not got cut from the seventh grade team i would not have met coach longo had i not met coach longo i would not have played football had i not played football i probably wouldn't went to the college if i had not gone to the college god wouldn't have called me to preach if i wasn't called to preach i wouldn't be where god has me now That might sound really silly and mundane, and that is about as painless of a disappointment as there is in life. I get that. But what I want to illustrate is sometimes we don't see what God is doing until years later. If God would have said, I cut you, if he would have sat down with me in seventh grade and said, I cut you so you can be a preacher when you're older, although I didn't want to be a preacher in the first place, I don't know what you're talking about, that sounds insanity, leave me alone. Right? I, I would have said all those things. I wasn't even a Christian. My point being is we don't always know what God is doing. And sometimes God doesn't tell us what he's doing. And sometimes God never tells us what he's doing. He never really gave Job the idea. When Job asked why, he's like, Job, were you there when I created everything? No. Don't ask me. Right? And so sometimes we get the answer, sometimes we don't get the answer. But what I am saying is we're not God. We don't get to see what God sees. We don't get to know all that God is doing. And even if we did, it might be overwhelming and not to our satisfaction. We're very fickle and temporal people. My point in all this is that we don't know what God's doing. So even in the good times, we give thanks. And even in the bad times, We give thanks. Let me give you three Bible stories where God knew what he was doing, but the others, but people didn't know what was going on. We'll we'll do chronological order. Here's a man whose dad loves him, and he's a good boy for the most part, but his brothers hate him. It's Joseph. And make a long story short, Joseph's brothers are so jealous of him, they beat him up, and they're going to kill him. And then one of his brothers say, how about we don't kill him? We'll just sell him into slavery, because that's a good idea. And then he gets sold into slavery, right? He could be bitter, but instead of being bitter, he's being wonderful, and he's, he's allowing Potiphar's house to be blessed and to prosper, because Joseph, he's 17 years old, and he's doing right. And then Potiphar's wife comes on to him, and he does the right thing and runs away. And then she lies about him, and he gets thrown into prison. I don't want to. I don't want to obey God anymore. I don't want. I mean, Joseph didn't say this. But I'm saying, thank you, sir. So you cough, and you get water. Joseph could have very easily just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not serving God anymore. I did what was right, my family abandoned me, I did that with what was right, I got lied about, and God has abandoned me. Could have thought that, right? Fast forward the story, hopefully you know the details enough. God used that imprisonment to make him second in charge of Egypt, which was going to be very important for the initial growth of Israel, the nation, during the famine, Egypt protects them, Joseph protects them, and they thrive and grow. Joseph gets in prison so God can do what he does with Israel later on. Years later, Moses comes around. Moses has been plucked out of the water as a special boy that God's going to use. And then he murders somebody and ends up on the backside of the desert for 40 more years. He's just keeping the sheep in a desert place. Got to be the most boring job of all time. He's now 80 years old. Life is beyond behind him. Until he comes to the burning bush, and God says, "I got a plan for you. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go." And we know all that transpires. Moses is like got the wrong guy. I can't speak. I can't do this. This is crazy. God does this miraculous thing. God allowed the bad situation of Moses and the abandonment and the banishment and the mundane leading of sheep. To be a preparation that he would lead God's sheep through the wilderness for 40 years too. How about David? When David's a young boy, um, here comes the the prophet Samuel comes in and says, uh, we're going to anoint the next king of Israel. It's going to be not none of these kids, Jesse. Do you have another one? Yeah, I have a little ruddy guy. He's out in the field tending the sheep. That's the one. So David hears from a young age, he's going to be the one. Right. And then the time comes where in faith and in boldness, he goes out and defeats Goliath. Then comes the jealousy of Saul and Saul tries to kill David. David runs in the wilderness. Do you know? Well, by the way, first of all, um, Joseph was 13 years in prison before he realized he forgot, forgotten the first dream set to 13 years in prison. Moses on the backside of the desert for 40 years. When David runs into the wilderness, do you know from the time David's 20 to the time David's 30? He's in the wilderness running from Saul. Well, I don't want to give thanks that. I have no food half the time. I mean, David got so hungry, he went into the tabernacle and stole the table of showbread and ate it. And yet, what was God doing? Preparing himself a king in the wilderness friend, I don't know what God is going to do in your life. I don't know what God's doing in in everyone's life, but I can tell you this. We give thanks to God because we know we're not God, but he is. And sometimes it'll take years, 13 years, 40 years, 10 years for us to see what God was doing. And I'll say this, even when we don't get to see what God's doing, it does not nullify the command in everything. Give thanks. When we won't give thanks in the bad times, what we're saying is we don't trust you, we don't agree with you, and there's no way you can use this for your glory. There's a song. Just memorize the title, not that you need to go listen to it, but memorize the title. When a trial comes and God's allowed it, it's for my good and for His glory. My good, His glory. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Let me give you two more and then we'll be done We talked about the regular things. So God wants us to in everything give thanks in the good times. Don't be like the leprous people Who got a good time and only one of them only 10% of them praise the Lord and thank God worship God And everything give thanks even in the bad times number four giving thanks for the past That's a tough one Your past may be wonderful Your past may be horrible there's a lot I can be thankful for in my past, but there's a lot in my past I have. I don't want to. Be, I'm not thankful at all. I don't feel thankful for. I feel frustrated by. I feel mad at myself. I feel mad at other things. I can feel that way in my own flesh. But I'll tell you this: even the most horrible times in my life, God used to make me who I am, and I'm so better today than I was without my past as hard and as harsh and as scar-wrenching and as shameful as it may have been at times. That's what he does. So we look back at the past and say, God, there were many good things on that journey. And you might sit back and reflect and say, there's that song, right, Mr. Early? God's been good to me in my life. Maybe that's your testimony. You look back at your past and say, man, God's been good. Or maybe you look back at your past and say, God's been good, but man, it's been a rough life. It's been hard. But Lord, I give thanks to you because here I am today. And you did this. I'm a work in progress. You are the potter. I am the clay. And sometimes the clay needs to get kneaded. Sometimes it's gently shaped. But he's the the potter. I am the clay. Do you give thanks for your past? Maybe it's great, maybe it's not. Sometimes we get so complacent that we take things for granted. Ah, oh, you know, I know God's doing good for me back then, but what about now? I, you know, it was fine then, but nothing's going good in my life now. You know one of the hard things about my dad? My dad was a believer. My dad had a some kind of, I don't know, mental condition where he could not ever remember the good things he can only remember the bad things i would sit with him and i would say what about this he's like oh yeah forgot about that and oh yeah oh yeah but every time by himself would only remember the bad things every single bad thing ate him up did he have a lot of bad in his life oh he had a lot of horrible things in his life did he have a lot of great things in his life he had a lot of great things in his life what you focus on often will determine your sense and your submission to the Lord. Remember when Paul writes this? Think on these things. We often dwell in the negative, don't we? We hardly ever dwell in the positive. The negative is rememberable. The positive is forgetful. You need ten positives uh, to to, to hold on to, uh, to negate one negative, it almost seems like. Whatever your past is, in everything, give thanks. One more and we're done. Give thanks for the future. This also could be easy or difficult. It's easy because we say, God, okay, here I am. Maybe the worst is behind me. And I sure hope my worst day is behind me. So I'm excited for the future. But it is also the unknown. And the unknown is scary. And the unknown is, well, what's going to happen? What about this? And, and we live in a world right now where anxiety is at an all-time level. And a lot of anxiety is worrying about what is going to happen with whatever. Deep breath. God, I'm going to give thanks for my future. I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to give thanks because you're the God of the unknown. You're the God of the future. You're already in my tomorrow. You know it all. So I trust in you in that. By the way, you have no choice. Whatever's in the future is in the future. And he knows and you don't. Why not just trust him in it? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So, friends, we're going to be done. But let me recount this again. Recant can't this again. Are you giving thanks to God in the good times? You ought to have a you ought to have a praise journal of all the things God's done for you. I, I always recommend praise journals. You know why? Because we forget them. Uh, there's a passage in in the New Testament where. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Later on that night, Jesus is walking on water. They're all scared. And Jesus comes on, comes the storm, all that good stuff. And they, and, and they were shocked and marveled and in awe. And the Bible says, For they consider not the miracles of the loaves and the fish. They forgot the miracle God did just a few hours later. A praise journal in your life will help you keep account of all the things God's done. The difficult one. Giving God thanks in the difficult times. Holidays are tough. For a lot of people, because they're reminders of what was lost, what could have been, what they think should have been. It, they mourn that. I know, my friend. Christmas time may come and you may hate it. It might be all the memories of broken things. No matter what you're going through, in everything, give thanks. And then for the regular things, how about your past? Are you thankful for God? and how he shaped it, how he even used what the devil meant for evil, God used for good? And how about your future? Are you willing to submit to the Lord and say, God, I'll trust you in the unknown. It'll take away a lot of your panic and anxiety. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thy own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So I want to impress upon you this morning an attitude of giving thanks, even when you don't feel thankful. Lord, thank you. I trust you. Help me to see what you see. Help me to be comforted where I need comfort. Help me to rejoice where I need to rejoice. Help me to not be self-centered, but to be God-centered. And I give you thanks for all this. How are you doing with all this? Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. It is the will of God. We may not want it to be, but it is. In these next few moments, this is a time of reflection. We call it the invitation time. But it's a time of reflection. I want you to think. Get alone with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. It's okay to be transparent and naked before God. He knows the areas where you've not been thankful. He knows the areas that you've been trying to control yourself. He knows the areas of your sour attitude. He also knows the areas where you have been faithful in giving thanks. He also knows the areas of your mourning. We have a high priest that understands what we're going through you're not alone my friend he still wants you to trust him in it watch me in this let me ask you just two sets of questions and we're done If you're here today do you know for sure that you are going to heaven when you die jesus died that we may know that we have eternal life you say pastor jason i'm not sure if i'm going to heaven Would you please pray for me? I'm just not sure about that. Would you quietly raise your hand right now? I'm not sure. Please pray for me. I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? I see your hand too. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. Let me ask this second question now. Be honest. No one's to be looking around. How many people here would say this? Pastor Jason, I've not been thankful the way God would want me to. And I'm confessing that before the Lord right now. And I want him to help me in this area and forgive me. I've not been thankful the way I ought to be. Would you raise your hand if that's where you are? Many hands are raised. Many hands. My hands are raised. I can tell you this. I complain in my own heart sometimes. In times where I should just be like, God, I know you know. I trust you in that. Has anyone else not raised their hand but wants to before the Lord and say, Lord, that's me. I, I, I do struggle with that sometimes. Let's stand to our feet head back, eyes closed the piano's going to play If you would like to come and talk to god Maybe you want to come just praise god for something god. I just want to praise you for this Why don't you use the front pew and the front seats up here as a time of of just speaking to the lord You can step out of your seat now and come pray You want to sit in your seat? You can I mean do whatever you want to do But don't allow the lord to point something out in your life and not respond <clears throat> and this is beyond personality type, by the way. Some are more negative feeling, some are more positive feeling. In everything, give thanks. Kids are screaming, give thanks. Late to work, give thanks. Someone's disappointed you in life. Give thanks. Someone gets saved. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Aren't you glad that we have a God in heaven who knows everything? We can trust him. We follow him. We can rest on him. Great is thy faithfulness. Father, we're thankful, Lord. We give thanks. Lord, there's some people in here who are hurting. We heard many announcements and prayer requests that concern troubling situations, health crises, even death. Lord, we give thanks to you. That sounds morbid, but Lord, it's not. It's obedience. It's faith. We give thanks for all these things, trusting that you will use them for your glory. You will use them for our good. You will help us to see your path as we submit to you. Lord, we know you're in control. We're thankful for that. Lord, I just pray now as we leave in just a few moments that you would dismiss us with your blessings. Help us, Lord, if nothing else, that we would remember this today in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God. And Lord, we pray as we enter this week of hustle and bustle and preparation and And celebration, whether good or bad, may it magnify our desire to be thankful to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.